Welcome to Practical Forms of Self-Love with Jesh Durox, a mini-series focusing on 10 essential perspectives and practices to embody self-love. Here's Jesh. Hello, it is day two of this uh, 10-day exploration that I'm doing of practical self-love beyond the meme, beyond whatever normal, you know, cliched advice we're getting about self-love. What does it look like? What does it, you know, feel like actually? How can we get better at this? So the topic today uh, that I want to explore is, is honesty. Honesty is actually a really interesting one to me because I grew up in a situation when I was younger uh, where two really strong kind of factors contributed to honesty, full honesty, complete honesty, really not being something that, that came easy for me. I think there's actually probably three. You know, so in a lot of places in my life I was honest, but there's certain places where I, where I wasn't. And uh, I kind of want to talk about those three things, you know, fairly quickly, how I have grown from that time, and kind of what I'm practicing and working on and looking at now. So I grew up always moving all of the time. So I was, I was always the new kid. As the new kid coming into a new scenario, you know, you don't have the benefit of the bonds that you have knowing somebody five, 10 years, whatever. So I had to learn like, how do I establish these bonds quickly? Like, how do I, how do I make the most impact as, as, as quickly as I could? And one of my strategies to do that was to be nice. You know, was to be super nice, was to be too nice a lot of the time. And I'm going to dig into that and why that can actually separate us from honesty in, in just a little bit. Uh, but that was one of them, is that I, I was always the new kid. I remember even one time, you know, experimenting as kids do. I literally moved to a new place. I knew I was like maybe 10 or 11 or something. I knew I wasn't going to see these people again, you know, in another three months or something. And so I literally did explore actually lying to them. And I think I made up this story about how my grandparents were super rich and every day they would send me a present, you know, they would send me a present of the month and a present of the week and a present of the day. And this story was of course fascinating to all of these children and I got all of this attention. And uh, that was a really interesting moment for me, you know, exploring with, with dishonesty. That ended up getting me into trouble. You know, of course, when the, the kids found out I couldn't deliver on these on these particular promises, but. Uh, that was kind of one form of it is sometimes when you're you're dishonest, when you're not completely honest about things, you can get attention. And attention is a very base human need, a super strong one. And we do all kinds of weird jumping jacks and stuff to, <laughs> to try to get that sometimes. So me growing up in a situation where I was the new kid, that was definitely contributed, you know, to, you know, developing a strategy of dishonesty. And a lot of the times, as I said, it wasn't necessarily a dishonesty of actually lying. It was just a dishonesty of being nice, which we're going to get into. Uh, the second thing that really contributed to me having a strategy of dishonesty, or at least not complete full honesty, is I grew up very, you know, strange. I grew up very unusual. My parents, you know, believed unusual things. They lived an unusual life. I was quite isolated from other kids. And because of that, I didn't know all the same things that they knew. And so I think that's another reason why we, we are dishonest sometimes is because we want to fit in. We don't want to be rejected from the crowd. 
even though it might seem so small when there's a bunch of people in a circle and they're like, oh my God, did you see that one thing? And everybody else is like, oh yeah, it was amazing. It was incredible. It's amazing. I was at a place when I was younger that I would have been tempted to just say, oh yeah, that was so cool. Even though I didn't know what that was. And while that might seem like a super small thing, it's still something that a lot of adults, a lot of us do on a regular basis. And I'm telling these stories from my childhood just so that I can very openly and, and vulnerably and you just kind of like break down, here's why a person develops things like this. So that was one reason. One reason I was dishonest was I was the new kid all of the time and I needed to bond with people fast. I needed to get attention fast. I needed people to like me fast. Uh, the second reason is that I was weird and I didn't know all the same things you know that they did. And so I, I wanted to be able to fit in with them. And the third reason and you might have a couple of these reasons, one of them, all three of them, or maybe, you know, you were lucky and didn't get any of this stuff, but I, I had all three of these. Third is that growing up, if I messed up, there wasn't a situation that it was a safe place for me to say, hey, look, I messed up on this. You know, I'm sorry. Can you, can you forgive me or, or whatever? I developed a tendency, a strategy, which all of these things are, for if... I got in trouble if I did something wrong. If I knew I would get in trouble, I would just cover it up obscured. I'm not going to talk about this, you know, and just hope it kind of goes away. Hope it goes away. Honesty is a form of self-love. And to look at that, I want to go into these three different reasons why most people lie. And again, you know, just to break those down, me wanting to be, have attention is, is, is one of the reasons, you know, the second one is basically that I wanted to be accepted. I didn't want to be rejected. And the third is that I didn't feel like there was actually a safe place to be honest. And those three things that I developed as a child, as with many things that we learn when we're children, they just carry right forward. They just go right up into the teens. They go right up into the, you know, adult years. And by the time we've been living that way for so long, it's just basically stuff has happened. And I made mistakes based on those things, you know, in the relationships that I had with people, even, even as an adult. And in my search to become a man, you know, which has been kind of an interesting subject for me and some of my friends lately, it's like, what does it mean to be a man? One of the things that over the last few years, especially, I've really been exploring that a part of, to me, what it means to be a man, to be a full adult, a responsible adult, is when you mess up, when you do something that's not okay, you can really just own it and just be like, hey, look, I did this. I did this and it, it wasn't okay. Or I did this, it was the best I knew at the time and I know it hurt your feelings. Like, that's just so beautiful to me. It's such a beautiful way to be able to love not only the other person, but also yourself. And I wanna dig into a little bit about why that's, why that's self-love, okay? So if we look at this first one, that I would lie, I would be dishonest because I wanted attention from people because I wanted them to like me, What's a, what's a version of a way that that might show up right now, okay? And a version of that would be being nice, okay? Because you might say, well, I don't need attention from people, you know? that Maybe that's you as a kid. You just wanted that attention because, you know, you were new, blah, blah, blah. People develop being nice almost always for an ulterior reason. And this took me quite a long time to understand because nice is a weird one because it seems good to be nice. It's like, yeah, no, he's nice. He's, he's a good, nice guy. And if you've seen some of my talks over the last few months, you know that I went through a personal journey myself of growing up of being a very, very nice guy and kind of had this amazing thing happen, you know, where I had this beautiful friend who's a mentor to me, you know, who's, who's later on in his life exploration, a beautiful man named Rasuli. And one time, a while back, he said, Jish, 
you are such a nice man. And I was like, oh, thank you. And then he's like, but what is nice? Nice is nothing. It was such a powerful moment for me because I had kind of prided myself on, on being nice. But a lot of times what nice is, is you are taking on the responsibility of somebody else's in hopes that they will somehow return something to you for that. And a lot of times that's that second half of it that's invisible to us. But if I'm really just being brutally honest, almost all of the times, you know, when I was nice earlier in my life, I was really hoping that I would get something from that. I was hoping they would like me. I, would, I was hoping they would think better of me. I was hoping they would tell their friends, wow, look how great this guy is. Let's invite him over. <laughs> or Let's, you know, have him be a part of this. Or, you know, there's even been moments in business situations where a client is like, hey, look, like I'm not going to pay for this anymore. I know I said that I would or whatever, but I just can't. And there's been a tendency in me to be like, oh, no, no, it's okay. It's like totally okay, you know. Even though if you try to say shit like that to an airline, what do you think they're going to tell you? They're going to be like, tough luck. But I've been like, no, 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 I, I, I don't. And really it's because I didn't want them to think that I was less than. That's really what the root is. Nice is almost always, if you really go down to the root of it, you not wanting them to think that you're less than, okay? And that is a lack of self-love. And that's taken me a very, very long time to learn. I'm still learning it in some ways, but for the most part, I'm not really a nice person anymore. Because even the word nice, it kind of connotates that you're going past the boundary line. Here's the boundary of what's fair, and here's you just dipping right past that boundary, okay? So kind is a different thing, and I think kind has to do with respect, it has to do with seeing of the other person, it has to see where you can meet them and they can meet you, it has to do with showing up for somebody when, when they need something. Yes, I'm still kind, and I think kind is a beautiful thing, but nice is a version of kind that is actually uh, really stemming from a lack of self-love. That's really where it is. So if any of you guys out there listening to this right now are nice people now, are frequently called nice, or take some small amount of pride in feeling like, yes, I'm a nice person, I would just check yourself to really see if you can go to some deeper level of honesty there. And maybe you'll find it's all perfect and wonderful for you. For me, oh my God, for me, no, I, I am a recovering nice person, <laughs> uh, moving more to kind. And why this is so important, honestly, with all three of these elements, being nice is a form of wanting attention from being dishonest, if we're just being brutally clear about that. The second one, you know, not wanting to be rejected, wanting to feel like you're a part of. And, and the third one, you know, which is a shame response. All three of those things are really boiling down to this fear that we have that we're not enough as we are. If we move from that one straight into the second one that I talked about, which was, I was dishonest sometimes just, just to be able to fit in. I think that can also come in, into the realm of nice sometimes too, because people could be like, let's all go to this particular restaurant or this particular place. And Maybe it's a place that makes you feel sick, you know, maybe it has really bad memories from you from an ex, or maybe there's something there in the air that just always makes you feel off your game. And you're like, yeah, great, let's, let's do that. It, that is dishonest to yourself. And I'm not saying that's the worst thing in the world, but I am saying that that tiny little amount of dishonesty is a missed opportunity to love yourself. And I think the world has enough choices and enough options that most of the time, if you're out spoken, you know, and you're forthright about what's important to you, what you'll find is that people will respond to that and they'll be like, oh, that's cool. We don't have to go to that other place. 
again, as subtle as this is, I lived with that for many, many years. And the, the problem with it being so subtle and so small is that a person just often doesn't end up recognizing just how many times and places and moments that you're doing that to yourself. And so you, you could say, well, it's not really a big deal. Sure, it's not really a big deal in one particular moment, but you do that two or three times a day over a week, you know, and that's only like 20 times. You do that over an entire year and you're going even, even huger in that space. And then the third aspect of it is this idea of the shame response. And I think the shame response for me has been one of the hardest, hardest pieces because when I get into a situation where I really feel like I've made a big mistake, especially with somebody that I love and that I care about, this deep animal primal fear comes over me and just makes me want to hide, makes me want to run away, makes me want to dodge, makes me want to, you know, be shady, really. And the biggest problem with that is that I think that's probably, uh, maybe they're all three just as common as each other, but I know that is a very common reason why people are dishonest and why people lie. There's a really crazy TED Talk I watched once about how often people lie, and it was something crazy like 10 to 12 times a day the average adult lies. That is quite astronomical. And by, again, by lying, we're not saying like, I didn't take the cookies, this other person did. I'm not talking about that kind of lie. It's like these little, tiny little lies. But those little, tiny little lies, each and every single one of them is a form of self-disrespect. It's a form of, of the opposite of, of practical self-love because basically when it boils down to it, what it is that you're afraid of is that if people knew the truth, if they knew what they were actually working with, that that wouldn't be good enough and that you would be kicked out. And when we live with that kind of stuff again and again and again for a long period of time, we do something that is one of the worst things that we do for ourselves, and that is we create this veneer, this character, this kind of shell, and that's what we're offering to people when we meet them. And the problem is that because it's not a real version of us, because it's not really connected to who we are, when people like that, it, it doesn't actually nourish us. It actually takes energy for us to make it and the energy they send that thing doesn't really end up nourishing us so this whole thing you know that's been important recently about vulnerability i think another way to say that breaking through the memes around it is just when you can crack that open when you can set that down when you really just open yourself up and say hey look this is what's happening these are my best parts these are my worst parts this is what i'm working on right now you know this is what i'm scared of to even be able to say like, hey, look, I really messed up on this and it's actually terrifying for me to tell you this because I'm afraid if you know this, you know, if I own up to this, you're going to, you know, you're going to be really upset with me. You might reject me. You might kick me out of the tribe. And everybody has pieces like that, you know, or at least most of us do if they haven't done that kind of a work. And it's a pain to carry. It's a pain to have to build something around. It's, it's an energy drain in a lot of ways. Like it's just, it steals from us in so many ways. And just on that single aspect alone, that this is a stealing from you. This is a part of your energy, you know, that you have to not only hold and hide and protect, but then you have to dodge around. It's just a stealing of energy. And that alone is, is a reason to call this, you know, the opposite of, of self-love, okay? But the final thing I think I want to say about that is that a lot of us are living with this fear that we'll be rejected by the people around us if, if they really knew the truth. And it's doing a couple really nasty things all in a row there. One is 
you're not giving the people around you an opportunity to say, hey, like, I do see that about you and, and I'm going to love you anyways. You're robbing them of that opportunity. And many times, in addition to that, you're also robbing yourself of having the opportunity to heal through something because healing many times is a, is a communal effort. And I've, I've heard it said, and I, I believe it's true, that one of the most healing things, like the anti-shame, the thing that just destroys and burns up shame is when you can say your truth completely and honestly and simply and purely, and you can have somebody else just listen and, and not judge and just really give you a space to, to be a witness to that, that that's the thing that can really change that. And when we're hiding it in, when we're closing it off, and when it's in that dark paper bag, we're, we're robbing other people of the opportunity to show up like that for us. We're also uh, robbing ourselves of, of the healing of that. And then it starts creating all of these problems long-term you know, for us. So why do we do all of that stuff? Why does the average adult lie up to 10 or 11 times a day? I think the best way I've heard it described recently was by the psychologist I was listening to who basically said there's like short-term solutions, there's mid-term, and, and there's, there's long-term. And what adults are tempted towards constantly is to take care of the short-term at the cost of the mid-term and the long-term. And when I first heard that, I just instantly knew this is brilliant. This is so, so brilliant. Because that's what a lie is, a, a dishonesty, whether it's oh yeah, you're being nice, sure, I don't mind going to that place, or sure, I'll do all of your work for you for free. When you're doing all of that, you're, you're, you're solving a short-term problem. And the short-term problem is that I'm uncomfortable and I don't want to be uncomfortable. It's, I feel awkward right now and I don't want to feel awkward. It's, I don't want this person to be upset with me. You know, like if you lie, if you make a, a really big mistake with somebody and you don't want them to know about it because you're afraid you're going to get rejected, you're solving a short-term problem by lying. And, and the short-term problem you're solving is that they're not going to be mad at you right in that moment. But of course, anybody who's who's tried that technique before, which I certainly have, once they do find that, which they almost always do, there's a break in the trust. And it's a big break. And it costs way, way more. And it's way, way worse than if you just have the guts, you know, to to be able to say, hey, like, look, I messed up on this. And, and as I've grown and as I've been able to understand and have more compassion for myself and just come to a place where when I really mess up big, just be able to say, hey, hey, look, like, this is my weak space and I really messed up on this and, and I'm, you know, I'm sorry, this is the best I knew how. That's actually a trust building thing rather than a trust destroying thing a lot of the time because if somebody will come to you and they will be honest about their weaknesses, sometimes that can even draw people closer together and we're denying ourselves and the other person, you know, that opportunity. And then the last part about all that is that everybody has things like that. So when you're hiding it, it just means it's more likely they're going to hide it. And then everybody's just hiding things. A lot of people are having these false veneers and characters and they're wasting this energy wrapped up over here. It's just so much waste, so much waste, so much not life, so much not getting to the point. And, you know, the fear is that if you tell the truth, you'll lose everybody around you. And I think the main response to that is, if the people around you will disown you because of your truth, uh, maybe they shouldn't be the people around you. And, and I know that's certainly true for myself. I want people around me who are going to accept me and support me and love me for who I am, for where I am, for the beautiful mess that I am, you know, for my qualities and also for, for my growth areas. 
but I want to give them an honest opportunity to do that by really saying like, hey, this is what's up for me. This is what's real for me. And if I'm honest, I didn't give a lot of the people in my life that opportunity in some of the hardest places when I was younger. And that's something I'm absolutely committed to now. So I think I'll sum up this entire thing by this incredible Bob Dylan quote that has just kind of been my anthem for the last year. And he says, who are you that I should lie to you? And it's just such a fascinating quote to me. And it's really just honing in on this idea of what power do I give you? What power do you have over me that I'm so terrified that if I just tell you the truth, if I just give you the actual facts, somehow you'll have the power to destroy my life. You'll have the power to, you know, make me lose everything that's important to me. Who are you? Who have I assigned you to be that, that that's happened? So to close all of this off, day two of practical self-love, practicing honesty, being honest with yourself, being true to your word, being honest with people around you is a very, very powerful way to, to love and support yourself, not just by not any longer draining energy, wasting it on lies, but also by giving yourself the opportunity to really be surrounded with people who will love and support you for you, for who you really are and for where you're really at. My experience has been most people, if you ask them and you really are earnest about it and they're people that love you and care about you, they wanna help you, they wanna be there, they wanna support you. And yes, we do run into tangles and cross perspectives on all of that, I, I do get that. but. I think they deserve the chance. I really do. All right, guys, you have a beautiful day. I will see you tomorrow. And um, take care. Forms of Self-Love with Jess D. Rocks is produced by Jess D. Rocks and edited by Elizabeth Windham. Our theme music is by Kai Kai. It's called Celeste from the album Fantasize. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you know someone who would appreciate this mini-series, we encourage you to share it, screenshot it, and airdrop it to your friends, family, and general community. You can find Jesh at Jesh D Rocks on Instagram and Facebook.